Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Pat. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space, and its effect on the national and global economy, as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website, as well as on this podcast. My guest is Tom Stroop, president of the Satellite Industry Association, a United States-based trade association, providing representation of the leading domestic satellite operators, service providers, manufacturers, launch service providers, and ground equipment suppliers. It's kind of a mouthful, Tom, but thank you and welcome to the program. Tom, I appreciate the opportunity to join you. Well, other than that uh, description that I just gave, what is the SIA and what do you do? So we're a trade association representing the commercial satellite industry in the United States. And as such, we advocate on behalf of the industry, help educate policymakers on the many aspects of the industry, and hold events to, to promote dialogue among members and government groups with an interest in the industry. Um, we're located in Washington, DC. We engage with Congress, the FCC, um, the administration, including the National Space Council, the Commerce Department, which of course includes the Office of Space Commerce, NTIA, NOAA, uh, with NASA, DHS, the Department of State, Treasury, Agriculture, Transportation, pretty much a full range of, of the federal government, uh, and because most of them have an interest in what's happening in the satellite industry. So tell us a little bit about your background. So I've been with SIA for about seven and a half years. Um, and although most of my background hasn't been within the space industry, there's been overlap within the satellite industry. But early in my career, I had an opportunity to represent an association representing the wireless, uh, the wireless industry. And then I founded several technology businesses, uh, one that in, involved clearing spectrum for the wireless industry, a location services company, um, a wireless service provider, and most recently had been running a company that developed spectrum sharing technology. And so, as I'd mentioned, there was overlap with, uh, with uh, the satellite industry over the course of my career, but I've been directly involved in the satellite industry, as I mentioned, for over uh, just over seven years. So what drew you to space? Um, what, what was the kind of the catalyst that said, this is now where I want to go? Yeah, you know, it's it, it's interesting because um, I, I grew up during the, the, uh, the 60s and had an opportunity to to see all of the developments in the space industry going back to, you know, when I was launching rockets as a kid, I guess I had an interest in the industry. But there are really a lot of things that are happening in the satellite industry today that remind me of the early days of the wireless industry. We've got a lot of new technology, new companies coming in with disruptive technology, tremendous growth. So just a lot of things that uh, overlap with my career that made it a particular interest to me. You know, we've often kind of equated where we are in space commerce right now with kind of where Silicon Valley was in the late 70s and early 80s. It feels like kind of that same kind of vibe, and we don't know how it's all going to shake out yet. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, one thing that I can say, I think uh, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're witnessing continuous growth. And those people who have been involved in the industry their entire career tell me this is the most exciting time that uh, they've ever seen within the industry. So what are the various segments that make up the satellite industry? So the, the segments that we represent are manufacturing, launch, ground equipment, and satellite services that are offered by the operators. So those are the, port, the, the parts that we cover 
um, within the report that we prepare every year, and we all consider them to be part of the space uh, of the satellite industry system. So, <clears throat> you know, last week I talked with some folks from with um, Edwina Paisley from Inmarsat about their most recent survey about kind of how the, the people's perceptions of space. From your perspective, how important are satellites to the general populace? You know, people depend on satellites every day and usually without thinking about it. Um, so starting with the, the, the one that I think most people use, uh, uh, like I said, almost every day, position navigation and timing services. You know, starting with the navigation services in your car, um, for those people who use a device when they exercise, but also for the timing of the internet and wireless systems. We, we wouldn't be able to do any of those things without, without satellites. Uh, moving on to communications, which certainly are the, the, the biggest in terms of revenues for the industry. People don't think about the fact that the distribution of most video and, and many audio systems are over satellite systems. Think of it when you get HBO from your cable system, that's coming to you via satellite. Same thing with uh, major sporting events distributed via satellite. Direct to home TV and satellite radio are two of the ones that people probably have some sense that they are receiving those services from satellites. Broadband service is another, and it's one of the fastest growing uh, direct to home services, but also for those people who are traveling on airlines using uh, broadband services, increasingly that's coming to them via satellite. And the same thing with uh, those people getting broadband on, on uh, maritime vessels. Uh, another that people don't think about is credit card transactions. Whenever you use your credit card at a gas station, in all likelihood, that transaction is taking place over a credit or over a satellite system. And then remote communications, if you think of offshore platforms, areas when you can only get communications via satellite. And then finally, emergency communications. Um, when everything else goes down, it's much easier to be able to get a satellite system operating. Um, so very often we're the first on the ground with the communication system. And those are just the communication services that are provided. Another of the very rapid growing areas of the industry is remote sensing. Um, weather comes to you via, your, your weather reports come to you via satellite. Again, people don't necessarily think about it, but over 50% of the data that is used to monitor climate change can only be gathered by satellites. And then of course there's imagery. Uh, I think many people use Google Earth. They understand uh, where, uh, hopefully understand where that information is coming from. But also we've increasingly seen news organization usually using the imagery that has been captured via satellite. And especially since the war in Ukraine started and even before the war started, uh, the imagery that was captured via satellite has been shown uh, in, in, in newspapers and other media organizations. And then finally, there's a new, uh, a, a new um, remote sensing technology that has been deployed, RF monitoring, being able to monitor where people are using um, some type of radio communication systems from space. So uh, that's another one of the air, rapidly growing areas. And again, going back to your question, we use these services every day, usually without thinking about them, but life would not be the same without satellites. And I think there's a lot of integration as well. I know that I can get Sirius XM satellite radio on my smartphone through an app. And Absolutely. Yep. It, you wouldn't think, and I know it's coming across the 5G and whatever, but it's being delivered from space. And eventually the 5G is going to be de delivered from space. It is. Uh, 5G is utilizing, uh, they're integrating satellite into the standards. Um, so definitely we're going to see increased use of hybrid systems and direct connectivity to mobile devices directly from space.
And the other aspect that most people may not realize is that every airline flight they're on now is guided by satellites. And that that technology took a long time to develop, but uh, every airplane that they're on, unless it's a Piper Cub, and even those have the ADS-B, um, are, are connected to a satellite in some way. You know, and it's unfortunate that it took the loss of, a, of a, an airliner to emphasize the need to be able to utilize that satellite technology in one of the ways that it's being used, because there's no reason why a plane should just disappear when you've got the ability to, to track it using satellites. What was the effect, Tom, of the COVID-19 pandemic on the satellite industry? So I'd say it was it was a mixed impact. Um, so certainly those operators that were providing services to the maritime and airline industries were impacted. When they shut down, um, of course, there was no need for satellite broadband on many of those uh, many of those ships or or within the airline industry. And there was also an impact on the supply chain. Uh, our industry is not immune to some of the impact that other industries have seen. But we also saw growth in, in broadband services as people needed to connect directly from home, whether it was for education or business purposes. We saw a growth in that sector of the industry. And remote sensing also saw growth. Uh, as people were not able to travel, we had the ability to, to, to monitor pipelines and, and other areas that couldn't be reached other than through satellite sensing. So those areas saw growth. So I'd say that the, the overall impact on the industry was mixed. Was there also a fair, fairly large impact on the, uh, on the um, personnel and the people working in the satellite industry? Yeah, uh, you know, we, there, there was definitely a period where we needed to implement safety uh, measures. Um, so there was a slowdown in manufacturing as our, our uh, uh, manufacturing companies and, of course, operators needed to go through the same thing, in implementing safety procedures to make sure that their workforce was, um, was properly protected. So just like, other, like, like most other um, sectors, we did have that impact as well. So as now we're sort of coming out, uh, at least I hope we're coming out of this pandemic, how is the industry recovering? Yeah, the industry has uh, recovered very nicely. All of the sectors saw growth in 2021. Um, broadband and remote sensing, which I mentioned, saw growth during COVID, have continued to grow. And then we've seen uh, the resumption of air travel and cruises. So the operators providing services to those sectors um, also have seen growth. Um, there, are, there, there continue to be some supply chain issues. Of course, we're dependent upon ships. Uh, and I've seen some of the, the publicly traded companies announce that they've had to delay launches of some of their satellites uh, as a result of supply chain issues. And I know there have also been issues relating to getting um, technology needed for some of the ground equipment. So um, we continue to be impacted. But as I mentioned, all sectors of the industry saw growth in 2021. The Satellite Industry Association recently released its 25th, I believe, 25th annual report on the state of the satellite industry. Um, you found, among other things in that report, that there were a total of 1,713 commercial satellites launched last year. Is that a sustainable launch pace or is that going to grow? You know, it, it's actually grown. Um, as of the beginning of August, there were over 1,400 satellites launched already this year. So I'd say that it's not just sustainable, it's actually uh, accelerating. And, and many of those, it seems like every other day we hear about another SpaceX, SpaceX launch down here in Florida. Uh, and 
Rocket Lab is doing a lot of rapid launching. Uh, there, there are a whole lot of things that are going on in that part of the industry. How important is the lowering of launch costs to what's going on in the satellite industry? So that's been a major driver in the, the growth in the industry. I mean, there are several factors that have impacted this, but having access to um, lower cost launch as well as more rapid launches has allowed companies to be able to um, uh, deploy their assets and to be able to provide the cost-effective services that we do. Um, but we would not have been able to launch 1,400 satellites or 1,700 satellites uh, in the, over the course of, of a year, uh, five or 10 years ago, without um, the, the uh, changes in, in the launch cadence, the ability to reuse, uh, reuse launch vehicles, as well as the, the, uh, the technology to allow deployment once, uh, once they've launched. I mean, you know, we've seen over 100 satellites launched from a single rocket. Now, those technology developments are especially key to being able to continue the, uh, the cadence. Are you seeing a lot of cooperation in the industry when we talk about some of those rideshare missions? And it's not a single company that is buying a launch these days. You see multiple companies riding on a single rocket. Is there, what kind of, of cooperation is there in the industry for those kinds of situations? Yeah, there's definitely... Uh, Cooperation. I think there's always been cooperation within the industry, even though uh, within different sectors, it's, it's extremely competitive. But you, know, you mentioned something that's that's um, uh, increasingly utilized within the industry, ride sharing. Um, but also, we're seeing that uh, there are competitors taking advantage of one of the you know their 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 you know ultimate competitors in terms of satellite services, utilizing the um, the launch capabilities of companies like SpaceX. So. Um, there's always been a need for cooperation. We need to make sure that we don't have any conjunctions uh, within space. Um, but definitely, this is an area. I, I don't know that we're unique. There are probably there's probably cooperation within within under other industries that may be comparable. But ride sharing is a good example where it happens. I'm talking with Tom Stroop, president of the Satellite Industry Association on the Xterra podcast. Take a moment right now to click on subscribe and be sure you don't miss any of our podcasts. Or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from Xterra, the Journal of Space Commerce. Okay, Tom, so, so 1,400 plus satellites already launched this year. What are all of those satellites doing? So most of the launches this year have been for communication services and especially broadband services. Over a thousand of the satellites that have been launched already this year are for, for, for broadband communications. Um, remote sensing continues to... Um, um, to, to grow in terms of the number of launches, over 200 of the, the satellites that were launched this year have been for remote, remote sensing services. And then uh, almost 100 of the, the satellites that have been launched this year have been for research purposes. Do you track the military satellite launches as well? Do you have any involvement with that aspect of it? We do track them. Um, it's not something that we typically talk about because they're not always, uh, their, their purpose is not always announced, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> It, they can tell you, but they'd have to kill you. Exactly. <laughs> We're also seeing, and you mentioned this before, a lot of the mega constellations being placed in orbit. Uh, Starlink is, of course, the most uh, advanced of those at this point, but Kuiper's coming online. Um, there, there are a lot of those things that are going to be happening, and there's also been a lot of CubeSat launches and microsatellite launches. How important, then, does space domain awareness become? And is some kind of a collision or other interaction between satellites inevitable? So um, 
awareness of the objects that are in space is extremely important to the, the, the existence and the continued growth of the industry. This is an area that gets a tremendous amount of attention from SIA, its members and policymakers. And so um, you know, we, we all know that we cannot continue to grow the industry unless we have a, uh, a great awareness of where those objects are and uh, have the ability to be able to predict if there's a um, uh, maneuver that needs to be taken to avoid a collision. Some would say that uh, some type of an interaction is inevitable, but I'm hopeful that with a, the continued use of best practices by the industry and with government helping to collect and share information, it can be avoided. So uh, I'm probably more optimistic than some in the industry, but again, everybody understands the importance of being able to ensure that uh, a, a collision does not occur. Russia last year destroyed one of its own satellites as a test of an anti-satellite weapon. Um, is, is that going to continue happening or is there enough pressure being placed on governments to not intentionally destroy satellites for just that reason because of the space domain awareness issue? I certainly wish that I, I had some control over whether Russia or any other country would uh, uh, would, would conduct another ASAP test. Um, my hope is that it won't. I think that they were seeking to send a message, um, but I think that they also understand the consequences. And I think at this point, every spacefaring nation understands the consequences of debris and, and those that are created by some type of an ASAP test. You know, one of the things that you mentioned with the all the interconnectivity and all of the information that we get from satellites. And again, when I was talking with with Edwina Paisley from Inmarsat, and she mentioned a statistic that if if one GPS satellite were to go down in Great Britain, it could cause an $11 billion economic impact. How vulnerable are we, Tom, to even if not an intentional attack on a satellite to something that might happen that nobody can really predict right at this point? Well, certainly the, the Department of Commerce came out with a report um, a couple of years ago identifying the potential consequences of loss of, of GPS and that, you know, potentially a billion dollars a day. Um, there have been efforts made to, to jam GPS satellites, to spoof GPS satellites. So, um, it, you know, there's an awareness of um, adversaries seeking to do this already. I mean, certainly um, there's a vulnerability but steps are being taken to overcome some of the potential attacks on them. So um, we, we know that there's a vulnerability. Um, there's, uh, there are backup systems that uh, are, are being developed uh, should, should GPS systems go out. Um, but I think that, again, there's a recognition of the importance of, of, it, uh, you know, of, of um, uh, ensuring a safe environment in space. And so if one of our adversaries were to take it out, there's going to be a consequence to them just their their ability to be able to operate in space as well. Do you have companies in your association who are working on in the area of space security? And, and I'm thinking again, as we talk about, as more and more computers get moved into space, more computing power, uh, the blockchain and, and uh, cryptocurrency, a lot of that goes through satellites. Uh, do you have companies that are working on those issues? Well, I think that most of the, you know, most of the satellite manufacturers and of course all, all um, satellite operators are dealing with, uh, with cybersecurity issues. Um, and, and so I think that they're all looking at the potential to utilize AI as well. So there, there aren't companies, I, I would say there aren't specific AI companies that are members of SIA 
but they're working with most of the companies who are members of Epsider. You noted in the report that the industry saw some healthy growth during the pandemic, and we talked about that a little bit. But now, if we're not already in a recession, we seem to be headed in that direction. So what kind of resilience does the satellite industry have in the face of an economic downturn? I think that uh, given the dependence um, of the American and, and really global economies on satellites that uh, we should fare fairly well in the case of a recession. Um, just given the multiplicity of services that we've talked about though, I think you really need to analyze each sector and the market serve to, to, to identify what the impact of a, um, a severe recession would be. Uh, so for example, if travel declines significantly, those companies that are providing service to them could be impacted. Similarly, if there's a significant decline in the energy industry where we're seeing um, less uh, utilization of offshore uh, platforms, that could have an impact on them. But I think that given the importance of the industry, um, if there is a significant recession, we'll probably fare fairly well. What uh, effect did the supply chain disruptions have on the industry? Yeah, I think that for the most part, it was a, a, um, a delay in... Um, um, in completing some of the satellites, delay in delivering some of the ground equipment. Um, certainly, it caused many of our members to expand their supply chain base. But um, because most of our members end up providing service or will eventually seek to provide service to the, the military, um, we need to be very careful about the, the sourcing of uh, any of the, the um, uh, components that are utilized in a satellite. So the biggest impact has been uh, a delay sometimes in a, in a, a you know some sometimes in the order of three to six months is what I would care is how I would characterize it. Let's go back to the report just for a moment and just talk for a minute about the methodology used to create the report. How did you what what did you survey to come up with the numbers that you did? So we send questionnaires to our member companies and non-member companies, and that data is returned to Bryce Tech, which is an independent contractor for SD, for for SIA under a non-disclosure agreement. So I never see the raw data, but I think that as a result of uh, the, the NDA and third-party uh, company that is, is compiling the report, we get more accurate information than uh, a lot of other uh, organizations may when they, when they compile reports on an industry. We also supplement that with publicly available information. Of course, uh, many of the companies in the industry have um, um, are, are publicly traded. So uh, there's information that they make available uh, in, as part of their quarterly reports. And we've been conducting the report for 25 years, as you noted. So there's a great value in the trends that we're able to see. We will also add to the report um, um, additional information showing some of the, um, the, the innovation that's taking place, uh, just uh, really emphasizing it's not just the the numbers uh, of satellites that are being launched, but also things like the capacity of the satellites. So um, we update the report with additional information um, as the industry has changed. So, you know, again, you, as you probably saw in the report, we're dealing with innovation in the industry, the increased capacity of all of the satellites that are being launched, not just the number of satellites or the, the revenues of the industry. So if there's a satellite company that's watching or listening to this podcast, it's not a member, it's commercial time. Tell, tell those folks, what are the benefits of being a member of the Satellite Industry Association? So one of the biggest benefits, of course, is helping to shape our policy. Um, we interact with policymakers, as I mentioned, and uh, um, I, I think that that's probably one of the biggest benefits. And of course, 
Um, we've got, we've got access to the state of the satellite industry report, access to the SIA staff. Um, but I think that uh, being able to interact with others in the industry uh, in, in, in the, uh, participate in our meetings that we, can, that, that, that we put together, we have roundtable discussions with policymakers, which provide an opportunity to get to know some of the people who are uh, key, in, key in, in, in the impact on the industry, um, as, as well as some of the formal meetings we have when we're presenting our advocate, our, 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 when we're, we're conducting our advocacy. So those are some of the primary benefits. Do you find that folks like, say, for instance, members of Congress or even the bureaucrats in Washington are aware of the satellite industry and what it does? Or do you have a lot of education that you have to do with those folks? You know, I, there's always a need for education. And, but I think that increasingly there's an awareness of the industry. I mean, the industry is, has grown not only in size, but importance over the, the, the last five to 10 years. And so I think there's a lot more awareness of many of the the important services that we provide. But I continue to find members and their staff surprised by the, the breadth of, of, of service offerings of the industry. I'm going to ask you now our the, the exit question we ask all of our guests, Tom, and that's to look out over the next 10 to 15 years. And from your position, tell us what you see coming in space commerce. So I think that a couple of the most important things that we'll see is um, ubiquitous access to communication services. And by that, I mean ever faster speeds, direct connectivity to mobile devices, to multiple devices, including mobile phones and, and IoT devices. We're gonna see hybrid networks combining the capabilities of satellite and terrestrial networks as 5G and 6G networks are built to incorporate the capabilities of both. So I don't think that there'll be any place on the earth if you wanna be connected where you won't be able to, to, to access communication services. Um, I'd also say that we'll see a significant amount of growth in the data that's captured from space, and that will be distilled down into information that is relevant to virtually every business segment and consumers. Um, so much of what is available today from the remote sensing sector of the industry didn't exist five or 10 years ago, and we'll see a market for this data takeoff. And in many ways, think of it as what happened when we saw the marriage of the wireless industry and the internet all of the apps that were developed, which people are now able to access tremendous amounts of information from their mobile device. And I think that we'll see comparable kinds of applications developed um, to be able to capture the, the, the information, to utilize the information that is, is being captured from satellite, remote sensing satellites. So, you know, there's gonna be a, a lot of technological innovation that um, continues, uh, whether it's in the, the, the area of thrusters, launch, manufacturing, but ultimately, it comes down to what services, what impact is it on the, the, uh, the average uh, consumer business? And I think that those are going to be some of the biggest impacts that we'll see over the course of the next, next 10 to 15 years. So the business opportunities are not just for those who are developing hardware, but it's, there are multiple business opportunities that can collect and use the satellite data for a variety of purposes. That's absolutely right. It's like, Think about it, if you work in a, in a vertical market, let's say it's real estate, and you know that there is information that, that is available um, that was not available five or 10 years ago, I suspect that there are gonna be entrepreneurs that will say, I can build an app to be able to utilize that, utilize that information. And you can just go through uh, a number of vertical markets I think that that's going to really help drive a lot of the growth in the industry. How much of that data is generally available to the public in public domain, and how much of it are, are entrepreneurs going to have to pay for? 
You know, I think that um, there, I, you know, I, I know that there's one company that utilizes information from the government for um, the, their service offering. But I think that you know, when you look at the, the rapid refreshing data, just in terms of some of the, the, um, the earth observation uh, information that is available today, I think that they'll end up paying for more, more accurate and more rapidly refreshed data. But I think that you could start a company based on some of the publicly available information but ultimately, in order to make it the most valuable to consumers and businesses, I think that you'll want to work with, with satellite companies to be able to, uh, to utilize the data that they're producing. Well, Tom, it's going to be an exciting time as we move forward. And uh, thank you very much for taking some time to appear on the program. I hope you'll come back and talk to us again sometime. I appreciate the opportunity to join you. Thank you. Tom Stroop is president of the Satellite Industry Association. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. Check out our YouTube channel and be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at xterrajsc.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at xterrajsc. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.